Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Watch the Atheist Experience live Sundays at 4 30 p.m. Central. Visit tiny.cc slash YTAXP and call into the show at 512-991-9242 or connect to the show online at tiny.cc slash call AXP. It's time to get sexy on Secular Sexuality. And welcome to Secular Sexuality, the ACA show that would be a whole lot prettier if it just smiled once in a while. I'm Christy Powell. My co-host tonight is the SecX patron saint of sex work. Welcome, Arden Hart. Howdy. And I want to express incredible gratitude tonight because our featured guest, Tanjo Wright, is currently experiencing a major power outage. And at the very last possible second, we had our incredible panel step up. So returning to the show tonight is Laura McGee. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me on so quickly. <laughs> yes, super glad that you uh, were able to make it. I really appreciate you showing up. And of course, we are joined by Mandisa Thomas. Hello. I think this is my first time on Secular Sexuality. Maybe oh, we get the to be second? Your first? Second. I think second maybe time. the I second. I wasn't okay. here for it. You were so with Serafina, I believe. Oh, okay, yes. But okay, I'm, I'm claiming it. I'm claiming it. There's actually a joke about you <laughs> later on in the show. We'll get to it. Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, as you can see, tonight is going to be full girl boss talk and looking at the impact of gender within the atheist community. So call in with your questions at 512-991-9242 or at tiny.cc slash call sex because while I'm not, the show is coming right now. All right. Well, that sound means that we are going to start this week the way we do every week with what's turning us on this week. Uh, Mandisa, super glad that you're able to come back and join us tonight. What's got you turned on right now? What's got you excited? You know, I'm excited about uh, BN's new YouTube show called In the Cut and not cutting in the way that I know that phrase is kind of going out of style. Sure. But uh, we have a brand new YouTube show called In The Cut, which is hosted by our New York City affiliate organizer, Kevon Cameron. And this gets uh, our members and our supporters up close with what BN is doing uh, on the ground uh, and the programs that we have coming up and uh, what we will be working on and 
asking for our partnered organizations to uh, for support for and our members uh, to you know to to join us uh, in in doing in the in the future. Uh, we're going to have some special guests. Uh, our first show was on New Year's Day and it went very very well. Uh, we featured Sundria Hall with My Choice My Power Counseling, uh, and I am just very excited about where the show is going to go for 2022 and beyond. Yeah, glad to hear it. We were able to uh, meet with Kayvon uh, just about eight, six or eight months ago here on the show. So uh, regular guests should or regular viewers should be familiar. Sounds like exciting work. Arden, what's got you turned on this week? I- I'm going to be short and simple about it this time. Uh, it's mm-hmm. Bell Bottoms. Bell-bottom jeans, you know, I, I heard some whispers on TikTok that only millennials and old people were still into skinny jeans. And I, I was skeptical because I have been a long-term fan of skinny jeans. But I got like two pairs of bell-bottoms just, just today. They came in the mail and by God, my butt looks so good. So I'm going to say bell-bottom. That, that's what's, that's my turn on for this week. Yeah, I'm going to take the phrase uh, millennials and old people and be maybe a little <laughs> bit turned off. But uh, but I'm here for the I'm here for these jeans. I'm, I'm here the for these jeans. Not me. <laughs> uh laura how about yourself what's got you turned on this week well first of all arden i have to say that is so freaking hot like i remember in <laughs> high school i used to love wearing bell-bottom jeans even though at that point they weren't in style they were just comfortable and freaking cute so more power to you girl um what's got me turned on um is the show sexplanations on youtube um it's done by dr Lindsay doe and she is just this cute hot spunky little sex educator um, who makes everything simple, funny, easy to understand, and she doesn't beat around the bush. So all of her videos are really fun, um, but they're also really factual. So if you are looking for sex education for yourself or for a young adult, like if you have children that are growing into young adulthood and need a little bit of help along the way, um, Sexplanations is a really sweet, cute, fun, spunky way of getting some good sex education. Awesome. Well, glad to hear it. Thank you so much. I, uh, I'm i really excited that we were able to gather all of y'all here, especially at the last minute, because this is a this is a really important topic that I feel like flies under the radar in, in so many ways. Uh, we're going to be talking tonight about something that I can't speak on in the least bit. So I'm going to do my best to kind of facilitate this conversation and get the hell out of the way, because I'm really interested in what it is like to be a woman in the atheist community. You know, I I think that we can all agree that that stereotype caricature of like the angry college freshman that's like covered in acne and like screaming into his laptop is not a completely accurate representation of our community. But I'm curious curious how that image of like the the grumpy man uh how that resonates for y'all or if that's something that y'all have experienced or could speak on it at all okay so (laughs) i'll fill in the silence i always want to let somebody else go first but um since y'all are being so quiet um when i first joined the atheist community i didn't even really think about my gender as being a thing right like it didn't even really enter into the conversation um but i think that you're right as 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 I got more into the activist community and as I'm reading more about like, especially with the the religious response to atheists, um, it really does paint a picture of this sort of male dominated sort of geeky, hyper intellectual, angry, or, Mm -hmm. um, 
or the picture of just like the sinner who just hates God and wants to do all the sins. And so they've, they've given Eat up babies and, and fuck right, around. Right. right. Yeah. It's sort of like that, that devil worshiping satanic, you know, and um, there's these sort of pictures out there that are really kind of hyperbolic and a little bit insane. So um, knowing that there are so many out there like myself and Arden and Mandisa who are just regular everyday people um, getting our voices out there to me is is really powerful and really kind of um, like I'm inspired by the women I saw before I started mm. um, people like the two of them and like Shannon Q and people like that who are are getting our female voices out there with um, Augusto. Yeah, anything y'all would add to that idea? Oh gosh. So I'm going to try to sum this up <laughs> in, sure. in, in, briefly because this is something that could have, could be like a, a at least a three-parter. Um, we, especially women and, and I, and I, and I'm saying this as, you know, a black woman in this movement, which uh, as in uh, public faces and leadership is changing, but is still smaller in number. Um, I remember when I first became involved in this community and wanting to just lend my hand to it, wanting to um, become more, you know, become more involved and um, just being really excited. I was quickly reminded of the challenges that Black women just face in general when it comes mm. to underrepresentation, you know, being, um, you know, being labeled, you know, I always have to be mindful that I'm not this totally angry Black woman, right? You know, there, there's this idea that, you know, we're, we're, either we're, we're too angry about something and also that we speak for the entire Black community and the entire Black atheist <laughs> demographic. And um, we're, we're also here to also, we're also here to like almost bear the brunt of, you know, especially when we start speaking up. I, I remember when I, first, when I first got involved and with my personality, it is very strong. You know, I am very assertive. There was sort of this, well, you need to stay in your place because all of the men are talking, especially some of the black men. And, you know, I was like, no, fuck that. You know, I'm like, if I'm going to be involved in this movement, then I, if I'm doing the work, then my voice needs to be heard. And, and so does the voice of other women. So that has been a constant battle. It's also us feeling like we're being splained. Every, we're having everything mm -hmm. splained to us. You know, it's like, well, you know, it, it, it can't, you know, it's not that bad or you're just overreacting, you know, you're just, be yeah, it's like we go through a whole bunch of that shit. And also there's a lot of, there is certainly a lot of deference to the male voice still, you know, that, that most of the men um, get more of the recognition and, um, and the acknowledgement more than more than the women do and so th there's been just a a lot of that as well and being on the ground and actually being the one to you know um to organize and set things up uh, we're often the ones doing most of the work which is you know i i when i stepped up and dedicated myself to this i'm in it all the way but i will tell you it gets exhausting and frustrating mm -hmm. at times yeah well fair to say yeah i, I think uh, there's also kind of this interesting thing where i feel like people uh, sort of position like 
atheism and and maybe like logic and reasoning kind of at one end of a spectrum and that's mm-hmm. like the masculine end and then over here is like the the like spirituality or like meekness to use some like christianese you know and that that's for women like it, it's kind of like positioned innately in our culture as like with patriarchy that uh, logic and reasoning those are masculine traits so by nature like women wouldn't want to be atheists right or they they couldn't be because that's just like a such an unfeminine thing yeah well and there's uh, so much rhetoric particularly within christianity or at least the evangelical christianity that i grew up in that says that like you know as for me in my house you know the idea is that like the man says and then the woman follows and and that creates a lot of complications here you know it's worth pointing out that according to the 2014 religious landscape study about seven in every 10 u.s atheists are men why do you all suppose that is i mean it's the same stuff right it's like with the the privilege of being a man you're probably more likely to be pushed into a field that's going to get you an education that might uh, point out to you some of the issues with religion like mm. i I'm sure that's not the only factor at play, but I definitely think uh, a lot of these social influences come together at sort of a, a peak there. And that's why you see it a lot of fields like this. They're dominated at the top by men. And I think that is in general, largely due to the privilege afforded to men for just being like their voice is heard, you know, they're they're taken seriously when they say things. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if y'all have any different takes. No, I don't know. I think that that's definitely one of them. And I try to brainstorm because obviously, like, I don't I don't actually have the answer. Um, but when I'm trying to brainstorm what different possibilities can go into that. That's certainly one of the first ones that I think of. But there's also this idea that like women sort of follow their husbands um, in terms of their belief systems. And I don't think mm-hmm. that's true across the board. So do not get me wrong. I'm not making that statement. But I do think there's this sort of cultural um, undertone of that of that happening quite a bit. And then I think the other thing um, is maybe fear of of representation, right? Like so so men when they want to represent their views will sort of like get out there and do it. And certainly there's those strong female leads that will get out and do the same thing. But I think on average men are more likely to yes, this is what I believe and put it in a survey. Whereas women are more likely to be like, ah, eh, well, you know, I'm spiritual but not religious, or you know, like not not really stand up and and um, want to rock the boat quite as much. Um, and this is all off the top of my head. And, and there's a lot of generalization that can go into it. And so we do need to be careful to start uh, or to, to be not throw things out there too, too haphazardly. Um, we could be completely wrong. But those are some of the sort of off the cuff things that I think about. Yeah, I, I certainly don't want any of you to feel obligated to speak for uh, all women or, or anything silly like that. But I am really interested to hear about y'all's experiences because from the other side of it, like I definitely see that piece. You know, when I myself uh, lost or, or threw away my faith, the the truth is I sat on that secret for a solid year before I was willing to share it with my wife. You know, the the person who I was like, I was very concerned that I was responsible for her salvation, for her uh, her spiritual leadership. And when I stepped away, I was like, well, I don't think I'm going to hell. I'm pretty sure I've made peace with this. But just in case, like, I, I don't want to be responsible for that. And, you know, I've worked really hard myself to, to kind of deconstruct some of those misogynistic ideas. But I know that they show up not just in myself 
myself, but but in our society in a lot of different ways. Um, I'd like to add to that, um, in addition to everything y'all have said, and because of the fact that women may not necessarily um, speak up as much. Um, if you're a mother and, you know, like a, a, a partner or wife or a spouse or what have you, and you're working full time, more, more often than not, um, we are, we, we as women are wearing so many different hats. So there are so many different things that we have to consider before we make a decision like this. And due to, you know, societal stigma, as well as other things that could adversely affect us, you know, we have to be very careful at times before we speak or even, you know, express this and and stepping out there just to face the the possibility that you may be alone in this. Um, Because um, even for some of us who are okay with sort of being, um, I guess, uh, or standing in solitude somewhat, you still want to know that you have a community and support behind you. And women, from my observance and experience, my own experience, we tend to have a lot more to lose as far as judgment, as far as ostracism, as far as people not taking us seriously. We often have to fight more uphill battles and consider more than just ourselves before we make this decision. And that doesn't mean that men don't, you know, don't don't have the same responsibility, but more often that burden falls on women to have to deal with the consequences of that. And sadly, at times at the hands of other women, <laughs> you know, it's uh this is an unfortunate fact. Um, and this is an unfortunate reality, but the fact that we do have to face these things, we have to think of all of these different, you know, all of these different possibilities and all of these different angles before making this decision to, to speak up probably contributes to that. Now I have seen more women speaking up. I've seen more women become more brave and, and, and take those risks. And that's because there are more of us who are putting ourselves out here for people to know that there is support and a foundation for them to do so. Um, Probably more, you know, a few years prior to that, it was probably uh, certainly less. And again, we still have to, because we have all of these roles that we take on, much uh, often at times with very, with less support, we, we have to consider these things. Yeah, I kind of want to jump on what Mandisa just said, because I, I really can feel that. Like, I'm a, I'm a very, very outspoken woman. I've, I've always been outspoken. Ever since I was a little girl, I was outspoken. Um, so I've never really not represented myself, um, but I've definitely had the fears and the, the, the um, hold back for at least a certain amount of time before it like bottles up and just explodes out of me. Um, and I think this was definitely one of the times when it did was when I decided to give up religion. I didn't have any problem telling people that I went from Christianity to Islam or from my agnostic, you know, teenhood to my Christian, you know, early 20s. Um, but I really had a difficult time going from any sort of religious identity to an atheist identity. And a lot of that had to do with fear, but it was fear of not being able to explain myself well enough or, um, like being seen as sort of a weak person or stupid or dumb, like, oh, well, well, you just changed your minds all willy nilly. So clearly you don't know what you're talking about. And so me being a female, I always struggle with that, um, wanting to sound intelligent and wanting to know that people see me as competent and smart. And um, I feel like I have to work twice as hard sometimes to make that happen because the default setting is, oh, well, she just doesn't know any better. Oh, well, she just, um, like one of the things 
one of my family members said when I deconverted was, oh, I just didn't explain that well enough to you to where you would understand it. And even though they were trying to take the blame on themselves, like, oh, I didn't do a good enough job explaining. What I heard was, oh, you didn't understand what I was trying to explain. And that's the reason, like, as though it comes down to that one conversation that we had, right, was the whole reason why I'm not religious. Um, But there really was that sense of, oh, you just don't get it. And so, yeah, it was more of a pride thing. But when Mandisa was talking, it really, really hit me hard that, yeah, we we do have a lot riding on putting ourselves out there. Is she competent? Is she capable? Is she strong enough? Is she is is there any weight behind her words? Whereas and men do correct me in chat if I am wrong and Christy, correct me if I'm wrong. But men seem to have this automatic authority about them where if they think something or present an idea, there's not this instant judgment of, well, now you have to prove yourself. Yeah, I I think that if we want to imagine religion as a oppressive institution, that it's going to be more effective on people with less power. Yeah, that just makes sense in a lot, a lot of ways. There's less opportunity to maybe push back or or to resist some of those things. You know, in getting ready for this episode, I spent uh, about a half an hour looking at sort of silly, like top 50 most famous living atheist, uh, you know, type lists. And and while most of them were garbage, uh, I did find one that it featured at least four different SecX uh, guests, which I was really excited about. Mandisa, you were on that list. I'm counting you as one of those four. So yes, you had oh. been on the show. Okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, in looking at, at just list after list after list, I only found one that actually included a woman in the top 15. So, you know, even if I'm not willing to put a whole lot of power behind those lists, I I have to ask, how do y'all feel that that like celebrity impacts the community or impacts the people who are who are like maybe drawn towards atheist activism? You know, I I don't know necessarily if there is like an answer. Maybe one of you two feel differently, broadly speaking. But I do think some of the more recent history of atheism impacts that because a lot of the people who we consider these like big celebrities right now like Sam Harris and Richard Dawkins and you know maybe formally uh, uh, people like Sargon of Akkad or something who you know people will dispute whether he's an atheist or not I suppose but uh, like it fostered this this community of, of um, like anti-SJW kind of like anti-feminist sentiment that I think is still really really prevalent in the community mm-hmm. um, and it's not surprising to me if those people are kind of on these lists uh, that you know those kind of voices are the ones that are are being dominated and those are the kind of the hurdles that we're facing when we're dealing with other members of the community like I, I can't tell you how many times I've been on an episode of, of you know nonprofits or something and we talked about trans issues for one topic and in the comments sure enough there's someone going oh my god I can't believe we're bringing this kind of stuff up again like why is everything about SJWs now like why is everything about social justice um with like clearly no regard from these people of like what what the demographics of atheists probably look like outside of these the Richard Dawkins and Sam Harris type, you know, uh, the reason that probably a lot of other people who don't look like that might come to atheism. Um, Not to mention just the basic concept that uh, anti-religious work or atheist activism is about confronting oppression, is about social justice issues. So it it feels very silly, but you're right. I mean, you can go to the comment section of of damn near any uh, atheist video and find a lot of that type of like red pilly sort of rhetoric. Oh my gosh. And that speaks to whenever I am on a show or an appearance and people want to know why the hell is there an organization called Black Nonbelievers? You know, 
why, you know, does there need to be a white non-believers? You know, mm-hmm. this, this certainly the, the, the intersection of our activism is seems to be completely lost on, on that. And it's interesting, um, this idea of what it means to be a celebrity. While I appreciate the fact that I have made some top lists over, you know, and I'm, I'm not sure if I was in that 15 or not, I probably wasn't, but you know, when people see us do those shows, I will tell you what happens when people, uh, when, when I, when I am on a show, um, usually I get asked a lot more questions. People need a lot more in the way of support, or we may get the trolls. And I have to wonder if the men who I am co-hosting with or who are on the shows get these same questions, or when they put out a call for support, are they or do they automatically get it as opposed to myself who when I call for support for my organization or even for my for myself, you know, I may get I get a lot of accolades, well, you know, with or you know, people saying that, you know, they they support what you know what I do, but that doesn't that doesn't always equate to the type of support that is needed, which is mostly financial. Um, mm-hmm. and so there is also a disparity there when it comes to women in the movement, women content creators, women uh, leaders, um, where often our work isn't as taken as seriously as as it would if, you know, if a man was in, in at the, you know, at the head of it which is unfortunate. And so sometimes when I hear, you know, you're a celebrity, sometimes it's cringe. I cringe because I'm like, well, I I don't want fans. I mean, I appreciate those who, you know, when they, you know, when they, when they see and hear me speak, I do appreciate that they feel supported in some way, but I'm like, I, I, I prefer more supporters than fans. I prefer the people who will actually put their money where their mouths are when we, I at when when the calls for support come. And so I'm sure that the men who are in or the, the, the men who are in these these top slots are probably getting the support that that is still lacking on our end. Yeah, we've been kind of poking around this idea for a little bit. But according to that, that same study that I referenced, uh, atheists, at least in America, tend to be younger, more educated and more white than the average American. I'm curious what kind of culture y'all feel like that creates and whether or not the uh, I guess the uh, homogeny of American atheism is challenging for women. I think for for one thing, what it creates is is the same thing that yeah, I hate to say it, but like the same thing that that religious organizations create. It creates um, sort of a echo chamber, and it creates sort of a lot of the um, ignorance, and um, it's the same kind of ignorance as you find in other communities, which is really shocking. You'd you'd almost think that if you go into an atheist community, you're going to get a lot of openness, you're going to get a lot of questions, a lot of um, skepticism, but also a lot of, of flexibility and acceptance. But you don't. You actually get the same thing that Mandisa is talking about, and I've seen it in. In her chats i've seen it in chats about trans issues like arden's talking about um so i don't fall victim as much as the other two do to it but i see it in chat and i see it in conversation where a lot of the times people are like well this doesn't exist and well what about that and they're they're just as virulent against some of our issues as outside organizations are which you wouldn't necessarily expect i think what that shows is that 
within the atheist community, we are a group of people that are not above all the same stereotyping and um, the same forms of, of racism or misogyny or um, what's the other word that I'm looking for? I mean, it leads to like a lot of sexism and stuff. Um, atheism doesn't necessarily automatically cleanse you of all those those social social baggage, I guess, is what you would call it. For sure. Right. But as a, as a community, and I'm sorry, Arden, um, no, I'm good. just going to step in here, you know, as, as a community that prides itself on stepping away from religion and it, and its dogma, um, there certainly is one thing I've said at the onset of my activism and my involvement is that, you know, people have left the church and they left religion, but they still have that baggage. And it is going to be up to the individuals to continue to unlearn and relearn as we go along. Um, mm-hmm. One of the beauties of this, our position is that um, it doesn't just stop with the God concept or isn't supposed to. We're supposed to be improving on our education and our information, which I, which I think is a, there's a difference there. There is a difference between being educated and being informed. And that doesn't just stop with our, you know, with our, uh, either our non-belief or our, 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 um, our lifelong non-belief or those who have left religion. That is supposed to be uh, something that we continue to, um, that's something, that's supposed to be a way of life for us, or it should be, that um, any new information, we take it into consideration and and uh, consider and, and also consider how it makes the others or how it affects and impacts us and others around us. Right. It's supposed to. I mean, it should make us more well-rounded individuals and more well-rounded thinkers. Like Laura said, that doesn't automatically equate to that. It's a process. And there are people who need to understand that it's still a process and that you're not above learning something because you felt like you've come to this place. Yeah, I think actually I'm going to give Arden a chance to speak first, but yeah. Okay. I, I was just going to say, I, I think that, you know, for like a really long time, the, these Sam Harris and Richard Dawkins types have been talking about how religion oppresses LGBT people and how religion oppresses color for so long. They've been using these things to, to justify their like strong stances against religion, but they've been talking about us, you know, women, queer people, people of color in the abstract for so long that I think now that these communities are gaining more acceptance and gaining more, uh, you know, power and starting to be seen within these communities now they're having to contend with the fact that they can't talk about us in the abstract anymore they have to actually like talk to us and wrestle with like not just how religion oppresses us but how their words and their actions can still be oppressive even though they've maybe as mandy was pointing out thinking that they they've let go of some of this baggage of of holding the god belief they still haven't let go of the baggage of the culture that they were raised in that told them that like oh uh if you see a man acting this way that's a bad thing because that's feminine or you know or if you have these preconceived notions about this group of people like that's okay because we see in this statistic this thing happens and i think this is just going to be something that hopefully will get better with time as we have more conversations like this um with more of uh the women and queer people and people of color within the atheist community being uh forward facing but uh, i think it's going to be a slow slow change unfortunately because these i think a lot of these beliefs these sort of like anti-sjw beliefs are are deep deeply rooted within our community and um you know but i that's why i'm so glad to be here on this lovely panel with these lovely ladies (laughs) to hopefully keep pushing the the cogs of time in the right 
right direction. Well, and I, I definitely want to follow up on on some of the things that y'all are touching on. But Laura, I wanted to give you a chance to to jump in uh, before we move on. Well, yeah, I mean, I think um, what I was going to say was already very well said by the other two, so sure. I don't need to get into it too much. But it was just talking about the idea that that um, bigotry, sexism, and racism, they're unconscious biases that sometimes we don't even know we have. We don't mm-hmm. even know when we're doing it. And so just leaving a religion isn't really good enough. And we have to remember that atheism only answers one question, and that's whether or not we believe in God. It doesn't talk about our politics, our education, our social standing, what we've been exposed to or not exposed to. So it almost doesn't surprise me that there's still a lot that we have to work through in the community in terms of educating each other, but we also have to be patient with each other. Yeah, well, and it makes a certain kind of sense that, you know, the four of us operating not just on YouTube, but in particular in these spaces where people might go to as they are starting to drift away from religion when they are sort of in that initial phase of leaving religion, that those sorts of folks, and I, I want to be really clear, I love the atheist community. I've been a member of the atheist community of Austin for years now. I've been, uh, I'm very passionate about the work that we do. So I don't want to make it sound like I'm uh, looking down on our audience or on our community writ large. But it is, I think, fair to say that a lot of folks find uh, these YouTube shows and these different kinds of things at a moment when they are like just about or just recently started to pull away and are still kind of early on in deconstructing some of these beliefs. And and one of the ways that I feel like that shows up is that the, the statistics when you talk to queer folks are pretty overwhelming, that people within the LGBTQ plus community are much, much, much more likely to identify identify as not believing in a god or gods than your average American. And yet, I don't really feel like they're particularly well represented in the media or in the leadership of of this community. I mean, certainly, Arden, we're all very familiar and, and proud of your work and a lot of the things that go on on this show as well. But is that fair to say that that perhaps the, the queer folks are also not as well represented and that there's a lot of particular pressure on queer women? Definitely. I, I mean, I, I think that's kind of transparently so. Like, not, not to keep harping on Roger Dawkins, sure. but I mean, he keeps sticking his own foot in his <laughs> oh, mouth, so I'll keep hammering it. You know, like, uh, uh, it, it's it's hard not to see how these things are prevalent in our community when one of the most well-known figures in atheism for, a, you know, maybe, a, I don't know how high you want to put him on the list, doesn't really matter, but he's spreading documents, you know, that were are meant to inform uh, uh, politicians that like when you're making laws about trans people think about these things and they include like banning research on trans women's ability to carry children uh you know like w- what are trans atheists supposed to think when their introduction maybe to prominent atheists is someone saying like hey not only are you not your gender but you don't even deserve research into like medical developments for your group of people mm. like that's of course, there are going to be people who are off put by that and maybe not as willing to step forward. Um, I, I've been really lucky that I feel like this community has been really supportive of me. And maybe there there's some like privilege going on there, too, I'm sure. The reason my voice was able to get to the forefront, um, and, and I definitely want to do my best to like not 
let that slip away, you know, to make sure we are talking about these things all the time. Because I want, I also love the atheist community so much. I, I it is the, one of the first times I've really felt like I had a, a community that was deep and broad. And I want it to be full of more beautiful, diverse, queer lives. And uh, unfortunately, until we start to contend with those things and we see more prominent people calling this stuff out, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I, I, even just today, I saw a thread of somebody talking about, you know, the atheist movement online and how toxic and anti-trans it was. And it's like, I, I get why you think that. I, I don't think it's the case broadly and I do my best to try to change that, but I get why people think it, you know, it's it's very present. Yeah, anything y'all would like to add to that? Um, I'll, I'll just go ahead and echo my sentiments about this community. I absolutely love it. And I, I will say that on the leadership side of things, because I engage a number of people in this movement, people on the ground, people at the head of organizations. And so the LGBTQ representation is is um, improving. I mean, I myself identify as pansexual, and I. But I will say though that cisgendered gay men are more represent, well represented, perhaps than trans uh, trans men and women, or or non-binary, uh, and certainly not. Uh, people of color. Uh, certainly people of color are less represented. Um, so I will say that uh, there are some changes there on leadership levels, which I think is, um, you know, which I think is very important to acknowledge. And there are really, I, I've always encouraged people to, you know, I, I try to stay away from the online community as much as possible, or at least reading into so many comments because there, there really is important work being done on the ground. Um, and I realized that for a number of people, you know, the, the online spaces are, you know, are, are not just cathartic, but this is where they connect with so many and it's a good it's a good platform, but I'm, I always try to encourage people to go beyond the online space because at times it doesn't represent real life. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I become, I get concerned at times that we become so disenchanted by those, by those voices that we see being so harmful that we forget about the people who are actually doing the good work that we forget to ample, that we forget to support those who are on the ground. And I think that is where the frustration for people of color come in. It's like, well, and I know if I can speak for myself. I see a lot of, you know, and, and rightfully so, there is a lot of criticism of, you know, Dawkins and, and other, and Harris and all of the other people, you know, the people out there who at one time um, may have had some some value and some people still consider their, their work valuable. But as we see them, transitioning into something that is uh that can be pretty detrimental it's important that you know we, the the other voices and the and the other people who are doing the work and are doing the right thing are more are 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 more uplifted and i i think that we it's important for us to remember that it's a two-parter it's not just about tearing something down it's also about building up it's also about mm -hmm. building up the other, you know, and those who are coming behind them, those who are working alongside them. Uh, let's just not forget that the that those of us who are out here are doing this work and that there's um and, and I sometimes I, I know that uh, some people 
you know, go by the the idea that all publicity is good publicity. And yes, there is drama that does uh, attract attention. But I, I personally prefer that, um, you know, the support aspect, you know, the, the positive aspects of what we're doing. That is how things are going to change. I agree absolutely well, wholeheartedly. I, I completely empathize with the urge to burn it all down when it feels frustrating. But I, I do think uh, we're going to be a lot stronger as as a community, and we're going to be a lot more diverse and and supportive of the members of our community if we continue to build each other up rather than tear it all down when when it starts to get a uh, frustrating. Sure. Yeah. So I had an original point I wanted to make, but then Mandisa made me think of something else as well, really quickly. Um, so I too identify as pansexual, and so I wonder if actually the the queer community is more involved in um, in atheist activism than we really know, because we'll we'll look at mm. a man and just assume he's straight, or look at a woman and assume she's straight, uh, or assume that they're cis, right? And that's not necessarily the case. And so I think there might be just a lot of um, missing information there in terms of atheist activism and where um, the queer community overlaps with it. But then the other thing I was thinking of is I think about all the the people that I know in the queer community, and the vast majority of them are activists in one way or another. Um, some just want to live their lives, and they, they they just aren't outspoken, and they they aren't ready for those battles for whatever reason. Um, but those that are, they fight so many different battles on so many different fronts, and it can get exhausting and overwhelming. And I've even had um, a trans woman tell me like, I, I don't feel like I should have to explain trans to every single person I come across because like I, I shouldn't be the encyclopedia for all things trans, right? For for the person who doesn't know any better, get on Google and do the research. And she had kind of a valid point that one individual shouldn't necessarily be the one that has to educate every single individual they come across. Mm -hmm. So oh, I boy. think about, yeah. <laughs> and Arden could probably speak way more to that than I could, because this is just something I heard anecdotally. But going back to the original question, I wonder how many people in the queer community have their own different forms of activism um, but atheism in and of itself just isn't something at the forefront of their um, of the importance in their life for whatever reason. Um, they may still be uh, atheists and they may still be activists, but that specific platform isn't what they feel is the most important thing to attack right there at the moment. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I know that this is a, a challenging question. I don't know how fair it is, but I'm going to I'm just going to go ahead and ask it anyway. You know, Mandisa, you made this distinction between like online spaces and, and maybe like real life spaces. But regardless of whether we're talking about online or the real world, I'm curious if y'all have experienced the atheist community as being more welcoming to women than sort of the, the general population or whether it, there are at least pieces of our community online or otherwise that are maybe more challenging. Um, it, it did, you know, I've, I've found that I was generally like on, you know, on the surface, pretty much accepted. You know, I didn't see that that was necessarily an issue. Um, however, you know, when you get into it, you know, when, when there are certain subjects that come up or when you encounter certain people and how they treat you, um, that become that is when it becomes a challenge. Um, you know, you uh, be because we are still dealing with people who may be shedding that religious dogma or even haven't checked their own privilege. Um, there is a way that women may be might be treated, um, or when newcomers come in general. But um, I would say that most everyone is intentionally welcoming. And that there, there is no, there isn't any ill intent, but sometimes 
that's even worse because even those who aren't ill-intentioned can still cause harm. And I think that's where uh, we need to be more mindful. But mm. I think um, like, especially like in in-person spaces or even in certain groups, um, for the most part, um, you know, it, it's about on par with um, with uh, the men that are being well, you know, as, as far as being welcoming. Um, you know, I don't I don't think I came into this community and was expected to be in a certain role, if you will. Um, but I will say that upon further engagement, that is where things certainly reared their ugly heads. Sure. Yeah, I think I largely have the same experience. Like, I think outside of maybe the occasional, like, as you pointed out, uh, the why do we always have to talk about uh, social justice stuff comments, I think for the most part, everyone is pretty accepting or at least interested in having the conversation, which is probably more than I can say for for most other communities that, we, that I engage in personally, at least. Um, yeah. So I'm going to be the odd one out here and say that I've I've never really experienced any sort of negative anything about the fact that I was a woman within this community or any community. It's funny, like as I move, I've been in the military and Christian, Muslim, I would say it's more with what, what constraints were put on me, although they mm. were self-imposed constraints. And then into the atheist community, the fact that I was a woman never made me feel disincluded from the community or or separate from the community. Um, so I've, I've never had that experience. And even as uh, an activist now online and doing content and speaking up, um, I've only ever seen in chat, oh, Laura made a good point or oh, I really like what Laura had to say. And so I've always been, if anything, encouraged, not because of my gender, mind you, like, oh, that girl, she's really smart, you know, nothing like that. But um, but I've never felt up to this point that my my gender has played any role. And so I, I wonder if it's just a matter of exposure or time or or what. <laughs> but um, but I have to be the one that pushes back and says, no, yeah, I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I, I had a moment very early on in my relationship with the atheist community of Austin, uh, where we were like sort of talking about maybe doing this show and would I be a good fit? Would I be interested in, in doing these kinds of things? Uh, and my partner came to the Free Thought Library and pointed out that there were uh, tampons and things along those lines in the bathroom. And just how impressed she was by that and how that was like her stamp of approval that like, okay, this is an organization that even though at that time, like everybody in production, everybody who is like in uh, doing their the, their part to help develop the show was a man. She was like, you know what? But they, they seem like they're trying. They seem like they at least have their finger on the pulse. And, uh, and, and that thought, that experience has always sort of stuck with me in a, in a number of ways. But uh, with all that in mind, I do want to remind folks that we have this incredible panel of people that we're talking to. I have so many more questions for these wonderful women. But if you would like to call in with your question, we'd love to hear from you. We're at 512 to 991-9242. And uh, while you're grabbing your phones, while you're working up the courage, let's take a quick moment to see what's been going around, going on around the rest of the ACA. To start off with, what's got you turned on this week? Oh, well, aside from Timothy Chalamet every day. <laughs> every day. I, yeah, I, I would be happy to be abandoned in a desert with him anytime. Uh, well, um, I, I definitely don't trust the Canadian government. <laughs> I just want to let you know, you guys are just a mining corporation in disguise. Yeah, and that yeah. is my stance. 
And on Christmas Eve, the family beats the log with sticks and sings a song that translates to, if you don't crap well, we'll beat you with a stick. Someone could go, could in, in the future, could look back at New York City and they could find a Spider-Man costume. Exactly. <laughs> and then look at the Spider-Man comics. And that Spider-Man costume is not evidence that Peter Parker fought Dr. Octopus on the Brooklyn Bridge. God wasn't enough for God. God needed more than God. <laughs> That's what you're saying. God wasn't enough for himself. You're the prime disappointer. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Ah, uh, Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> I like God wasn't enough for God. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, I want to be really careful about getting into like women are like this and masculine energy is like that type of territory. You know, study after study seems to confirm that like within group differences vastly outstrip between group differences and gender tends to have very little impact on cognition or personality or learning style etc 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 so ultimately i guess i i want to ask why these questions matter you know why it is significant that there are more men in the atheist community and whether or not it's valid to even be concerned about the impact that any of this is going to have on sort of the culture that we're creating yeah i think uh you know when we're talking about like um what we do here right talking about the atheist activism and like addressing the harms that can be caused by religion i think one of the most significant of those is is the way that religion often uh exacerbates whatever underlying cultural things already affect marginalized people. Uh, so when we're talking about why it's so important to have women and trans women and black women and all all the genders and everything here, it's because when we're talking about the harms religion has caused, I think it's, it's amplified on these marginalized groups. It, whatever, whatever thing is already impacting even the most privileged cis man who's harmed by religion is compounded by those intersections of marginalization. So I know for me, that's, that's that's why this is so important. I, I think my uh, atheist activism and my trans activism have always been very, very tightly linked because mm. I can tell you that a lot of the issues and the baggage that I hold against myself and the the people that I fight for that I still know I carry that baggage, all of it comes from religion. Um, and I, I would think maybe naively so that uh, that would be easy to see and, and um, wouldn't be a, a fight ever, but it definitely... I mean, that's, you know, why it's shocking when people make those, those more SJW crap comments, right? Because it's like, come on, man, like, I, you think religion impacted you, but like religion wasn't expecting these also uh, in, insane, like wasn't expecting you to forego parts of your reality and like the, the nature of who you are to participate in it. Uh, so it, 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 they're just, they're, inextric they're inextricable to me. Um, mm -hmm. that, that's why I think they're important. Anything y'all would add to that? Yeah, you know, it hasn't been that long since women couldn't vote. 
And it hasn't been that long since women couldn't get a bank account without their husband's signature or approval, um, or that women couldn't get certain kinds of kinds of healthcare without their their husband's agreement. I was Even, just about to say. I mean, that's still very much a concern: <laughs> access to an abortion or a hysterectomy or these it kinds of things. Requires husband's consent. Yeah, mm-hmm. like like the woman has to get the man's permission to have like what you said a hysterectomy. I, I think it's still we have such a long way to go, but because women are now in the workforce and women now have voices on YouTube and stuff like that. We have this assumption that, that everything is, is all fine and dandy. And, um, and I mean, I think that's true with, with every marginalized demographic, kind of like what Arden was saying is there's this tone from the outside of that demographic that why are we still talking about this? Why is there still an issue? Well, hopefully one day we won't have to talk about, you know, sex won't be an issue. Gender won't be an issue. Race, skin color won't be an issue, but today they still are. And within our lifetimes and our grandparents' lifetimes, some of these issues were far, far, far worse. And we're just barely over the line of, of working towards fixing them. So um, it's going to continue to be a conversation until those people stop asking those questions and the conversation just naturally becomes obsolete. Mm. So I'd like to add to all of that by saying that as long as we are continuing to deal with these gender, quote unquote, norms and gender and gender stigmas, as well as a direct impact and and from institutional factors. We can't get around the fact that um, that the black community is still impacted by institutional racism in uh, in in, in uh, you know as far as economic injustice and um, and and access and and lack of access to you know uh, to to other fact you know to to other um, you know societal and we we've, we've been so impacted um, negatively by these stigmas that we have to continue to address um have the conversations but also discuss how we can go about changing them and and as long as women um all women continue to be impacted by you know by the decisions made on our reproductive health um this is going to be an issue this is also going to be an issue uh this is also going to be needs to be something that we need to discuss and and challenge and address and continue to fight for. And so um, as long as we are the ones being impacted, we must be the ones to speak on it. We must be the ones to allow, we have to be allowed to um, to effectively not just be heard, but also be supported, even by those who may not directly go through it. And you don't have to be directly impacted in order to understand what the problems are. You know, that goes back to what you said, Christy, about there not being inherently any difference between the way men and women can comprehend uh, uh, certain things. You know, it doesn't, mm-hmm. just because you as a man may not necessarily be impacted by the ability to have an abortion. Right? It doesn't mean that you cannot understand what the issue is and that you cannot fight for us. <laughs> so I think as long as we are still dealing with these 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 uh, stigmas and in these in, these institutional factors that many people aren't being honest enough to address within themselves, then we have to continue. 
Well said. Well, I, I know that uh, just by, you know, being activist, by being out on the internet, by being atheist, you know, by pushing back in, in any kind of way, we're all going to draw a little bit of fire. I mean, I even get the occasional mean YouTube comment. I, I always feel so honored by them. But, you know, I, I can't help but feel like when I am looking through the chat on, on a lot of ACA shows even, but uh, really across the internet, that there's a lot more vitriol targeted towards women. Is that fair to say? And do y'all experience, uh, how do you feel that you've been received differently? I, I mean, like, I think there's maybe an interesting conversation here. I, I don't know exactly about how I'm received by the people who are watching, but like, I think it's worth recognizing that like when women are held to the standard of like not only having to justify our intellect or the point we're making or something like that, there's also the expectation that we be ready to look at for people. And I think a lot mm -hmm. of the voices that get to the front are the are not just the voices that people want to hear but they're the faces that people want to see and i think because of that sometimes they will a lot of these hateful people might like target your looks or something like that because uh, it's just a cheap way to knock you down a peg you know they know that probably there are 50 people who are just like you just as educated as you but aren't forward facing because maybe they aren't as pretty as you or something and so they can uh, try to be like they can either try to use that to tear you down or to just insult your appearance i mean that that's yeah so it's common. Like the ACA has been great about regulating that. I know they have a very strong policy about commenting on host appearance, which I think is so, so helpful for women and queer people coming into the conversation. Um, and yeah, I think that's something that this organization at least is very strong about. Yeah, it, it seems innocuous at first to be like, oh, you know, she's so pretty or these kinds of things. But you really do get it from both ends because it's either like I uh, agree with you or disagree with you, but it's either you're ugly and ridiculous or you are so pretty that that's the only reason that you're here. That, that nothing that you really said matters. And I, I definitely see that showing up uh, in, in so many places online, uh, particularly in these activists. Uh, uh, activist circle. Yes, there are still so many people who are adhering again to these stereotypes as well as these um, the unfair burden that that we as women have to deal with as far as like proving ourselves. Right. Like, and, and we've talked about this, Lauren and, and Arn, we definitely said that, right? You know, we have to work twice as hard to prove that we are just as worthy, if not more so, of the support that we need, as well as our voices being taken seriously. And oftentimes we we often are the sub, we are the first to be subjected to be the butt of the jokes or the butt of the subject of cruelty when it comes to the comments, when it comes to how women are viewed. Uh, there is still a lot of negativity geared towards women. And that often seems to be the first thing that comes out whenever we are, you know, whenever the comments come. It's interesting. I've always said, you know, it's interesting how, especially for someone like me, you can go from being a queen to a bee. In, in, in a heartbeat, especially if you don't, you know, take too kindly to the, the comment about how pretty you are or, you know, or if, if we don't uh, respond to basically what is the equivalent of catcalling even online. So the moment we don't respond to that in a quote unquote positive way, oh, well, you know, she's bitchy, you know, or she's this and she's that. And then that makes us even more susceptible and, and more of a target. And, and like you said, I mean, once we put ourselves out there, we kind of expect it. 
Um, like I said, I have learned a long time ago to not take certain YouTube comments seriously. Um, but at the same time, it doesn't mean that we're inhuman and it doesn't mean that they don't affect us. And I, I think the, the more people see uh, just see us as being human. Even though you may see us on on these shows and on these screens, we are still human beings and we still feel and we have every right not to be accosted in such a way. Yeah, I um sorry, I want Laura to be able to get in here. Like an example that comes to mind is I know that when I was on AXP with Shannon just last weekend, uh, like people always are commenting either you use too big of words, I can't understand you, or like, oh, I can't understand X feature about her, you know, or I can't stand it. it it's it, this just this weird standard of, of having to like toe this line that's very narrow right in the middle. If you go too far to the right of it, there's criticism. If you go too far to the left of it, there's criticism. You have mm. to toe such a perfectly fine line to be an effective activist people will listen to and platform and to uh, have your voice heard and respected and taken seriously. It, it's, uh, I think, something that probably no one here has mastered. And I, if anyone does have a have it mastered, like send me a book or something. I'd love to know Fair. your secret. Well, Laura, I think you may be muted. At least you're not getting through to me. I did. I was muted so I could drink and not have you guys hear the slurping. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think once again, it comes back to a matter of exposure where Arden and Mendisa have both been on a lot more popular shows and have a lot more exposure to people in chat and stuff like that. Whereas I'm kind of small potatoes and relatively new-ish to the scene. So I haven't really gotten a lot of vitriol or, or a lot of comments in chat. Um, I have gotten a little bit of the catcalling, mostly in private. Um, things like, wow, you're hot or whatever. Um, but it's it's been more, um, it's been easier to ignore because it's just not that prevalent for me, um, whether it's a yet or at all. Um, but one thing I did think about while the two of them were talking is a lot of my um, negativity that I've experienced being out here and on the platform is my own self-doubt, is my own. All right. We'll, we'll work on getting Laura's connection uh, cleared up. Uh, but I, I wanted yeah. to ask how having fewer women within our community harms or, or maybe changes the community itself. You know, obviously, we've been talking about what it's like to be a woman in this community. But how is our community damaged by that? Well, like I Arden mean, said, uh, it becomes an echo chamber. Um, yeah, it, it becomes it becomes an echo chamber, and it reinforces this idea that only the men's voices matter. Now, I know that there have been some a lot of concerns that women have had in this movement, and whether their voices or our voices are taken seriously. Uh, it does make a difference. And if they don't think that they are, then of course they're going to step away. And this is something that every organization should be, um, you know, should be thinking about, that they should be considering, you know, every time a woman speaks up, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that we are always going to be correct or that, you know, that, you know, there, there's always, but however, knowing that we are heard and also understood makes a huge difference and it shouldn't be too much of a task. Um, in, in order for that to to, to take place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the only thing I would have to add to that is kind of like we were saying earlier, where like when it, when it is just the boys club, uh, and they're talking about all of these groups and communities and the, the different intersections within the atheist community in the abstract, uh, they, they, again, they don't have to wrestle with the realities of our needs. Like what, what are the material conditions of this, this group of people? Like what are their emotional states like? Like how are they listened to and things like this? Uh, when it's just the boys club, that the, the, the real aspects of 
of what they need aren't heard. And now that we are being given a platform and given a voice, I think we can have more serious discussions about about how how women interact with the atheist community and things like that. Because we can actually we're here to talk about you know our needs and and how to integrate us more effectively in community. Mm-hmm. Um, but Laura's back. Yay. <laughs> well, I am uh, incredibly encouraged by uh, everything that I've been seeing in the chat tonight. I am so proud of the community that this show in particular has gathered. The the folks that I see showing up uh, week after week just seem to be incredible people and the people I interact with on Facebook like I am I am just so amazed by the people who have found this show but outside of that I, I guess I'm curious about how you sort of imagine the larger community responding to this line of question you know if, if you raise the issue of hey are there enough women in our organization are we doing enough to make women feel comfortable how is that generally reacted to well I I can't speak for YouTube, but I know that uh, while I definitely I go picking fights sometimes yeah. with the more difficult people. Sure. I think generally speaking, when I'm talking about like, hey, we need more trans voices, you know, we need more diverse trans voices and like just just more diversity in general in the community. People generally agree with me that at least here at the ACA, maybe I'm biased by having such a kick-ass sample of people to work with. But uh, generally speaking, I think people are excited and on board to let the community grow and flourish mm, but, mm-hmm. um yeah that, that's when i'm not picking my own fight <laughs> laura d- does that feel true to you as well that there is a a desire kind of broadly speaking to uh to make that ratio of like seven to three men perhaps shift and, and to bring more women into our community and to bring more queer people and more minorities into our community does that resonate yeah i think I think that it's it's more it's yes in in short I think that there is a strong drive to be inclusive I do hear those voices like we talked about earlier that have all those unconscious biases that they have to work through and that just don't understand or, or still have some social programming that's holding them back but I think for the most part this is one of the most inclusive communities that I've been a part of and people that are the most eager to understand others and actually advocate for others. Like I I know people within the atheist community more so than the other communities who want to advocate on behalf of people who are different from them. And that to me is, I think that's the point of social justice. I don't think the point Mm -hmm. is for people within these, um, uh, oh, what's the word? Um, Marginalized groups to be the ones doing all the work. I think the point Mm -hmm. of social justice um, or equality in general is for people outside those groups to come and say, hey, what can I do to help? And how can I make this better? And how can I better understand what's going on? And I see that a lot more in this community. And so that gives me a lot of hope. And it actually is one of the reasons why I enjoy doing this and being an activist is because I do see that this is a place where our voices can be heard and where we can actually make a difference. Yeah, well, I, I want to make sure to get Mandisa's take on all of this uh, as we're mm-hmm. working to get her back connected. Uh, Mandisa, are you here with us? Yes, I well, am. While we're... Uh, I am back. Yeah, uh, fantastic. I, I, I'm really interested in your take as to whether or not this uh, there's like a meaningful push to make the atheist community, at least in uh, large organizations, more accessible to to women, to queer folks, to minorities of different stripes. Do you feel like the leadership in general is pulling in the right direction? Yeah, so that's, um, I will say overall, yes. 
What I have found over the years is that there is a tendency to be defensive. And, and I can understand that because the organizations are trying to do their best with the resources that they have, right? And some of them are a bit older. Some of them are a bit more... Um, they, they kind of cater to their larger donor base or who their larger donors are, which can be an issue. Mm -hmm. So they have sure. their, their hearts are in the right place. There may be my, my concern is the consistency, you know, just only doing it for a period of time and then it stops. Um, that, that's, that's the concern I have because the changes need to be more long-term. Um, are they being implemented in policy? You know, are, are these things that you are taking seriously on a regular basis? And if there are organizations that you are working with, for example, like Black Nonbelievers, are you only, um, you know, are, are you only looking to us to try to resolve that diversity issue for a time being? Or is it is it something that are you just trying to use us to just recruit and then you're cultivating the same culture? And so there there are a lot of things that go into what needs to change. And uh, usually and, and what happens is sometimes there's a fear, um, whether it's recognized or not, that when you have more women, when you have more people of color, that things that, that there are there are there are traditions that are going to be challenged. And there are people who are scared of that. Mm. Um, and, and, and I've seen this happen as I've served on various boards and, and worked with other organizations, you know, the ones who are truly, truly dedicated are taking those voice are taking our voices seriously and actually implementing those changes and, uh, for long, long term. And so that's where it's really going to count where, um, you know, where we see the culture and the environment changing for the better, where, you know, not just, you know, the, 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 mar the further marginalized groups are retained, but that um, there, are, there are things that are changing for the better within the organization itself. Um, and for some people, it's going to be uncomfortable. It will, but you know, it, it's 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 necessary in order for these things to to truly take place. Yeah, I'll I'll just echo that as a therapist. Uh, if your lifestyle is not making you at least a little bit uncomfortable, it's worth asking yourself if you're really like growing and challenging yourself in in some meaningful ways in the ways that you really need to. Now, I, I know we're getting a little bit long, and I, I want to give Arden a chance to uh, take us to the phones here in just a moment, but I want to make sure to take a second to ask each of you if there's anything that you sort of suspect that the, the men around you in the community don't know about what it's like being a woman at a atheist convention at, at the free thought library or in the you know discord servers or on social media is there anything that you imagine the men around you just don't know about your experience i mean i feel like there's a lot of things just kind kind of touching on you know we talked earlier about how the ac has like a really strong policy on commenting on people's looks and how mm -hmm. often have we seen somebody be like i thought i was just paying a compliment i didn't know i was being rude like the, they, but i mean when i'm talking about this i'm realizing as I'm saying it, that I don't even know if that's necessarily like an atheist community problem with men. I think kind of just be it's kind of an issue with men not understanding. Well, I, I think uh, that's fair to say, but there's still men in this community that maybe haven't ha haven't encountered that idea. Yeah, haven't been challenged yeah, around I, that. 
And I, th- I think it's maybe normal in some degree to when you're encountering a new idea like that to push back. Like, you know, I think most people don't want to think of themselves as a bigot or a sexist or something. And mm-hmm. when they're kind of confronted with that realization, like, oh, shit, I might be doing something wrong here. They kind of bulk back in a in a way that's maybe not always uh, helpful or, or productive. But I, I think, um, while maybe the same elements of patriarchy that are present in all of our culture are definitely present in the atheist community. I do think people have been on average more willing to contend with that and to have a conversation about it. Sure. Yeah, I'll say that, uh, I, and I want to be careful about apples and oranges and, and all of that. But when I look at my online space, it's usually divided pretty evenly between like college sports, atheist activism, and like poly queer type spaces, uh, which is uh, which is my own eclectic blend. Uh, and I will say one of my favorite things about uh, the atheist community is when somebody says like, hey, this asshole has been stalking me online. Hey, this asshole sent me an unsolicited dick pic. Hey, this asshole, you know, has been harassing me that the uh, at least in online spaces that in the atheist community, people respond very quickly and very strongly and in support of women in those moments and i and i really appreciate that about this community at the same time i wonder how many men really realize just how many unsolicited dick pics there are it, it feels like something we maybe talk about a lot but i don't know that we're talking about it enough just considering how common it, it really can be uh but but i don't mean to step in here uh, laura mendisa was there anything in particular that you feel like maybe the men in our community don't know about your experience? I would say one thing is that overall, and I'm not speaking for all women, but we can tend to be a lot more intimidated or frightened than you think so, or a lot more Mm. annoyed and and overwhelmed than you think. So we might be strong personalities in terms of um, those of us who are outspoken and the ones who are maybe less outspoken, you might just look at and be like, oh, she's just shy or she's just not talkative. But as women, there's a lot more fear out there that we're going to get harassed, like the the dick pics that Christy was talking about or just the getting hit on. Um, I can't tell you how many people like send me unsolicited Facebook friend requests and I don't even know who they are. And the vast, vast, vast majority of them are male. And mm-hmm. um, and early on, when I first started this little adventure of mine, um, I didn't know to not accept some of these friend requests. So some of them did turn into a lot of like, oh, I think you're really great. I think you're really awesome. And, and just a lot of like conversations that needed borders added to them. Um, but uh, you had mentioned conventions, right? So now we're not just talking about online spaces. We're talking about mm-hmm. physical spaces. And there, the intimidation and the fear goes up even more. So if there's anything that I want men to understand from a women's perspective, it's, you know, to understand that 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 threat and that intimidation and that fear is there for most women um and, and it's valid for most women because a lot of us have had a lot of um either sexual harassment or even sexual assault in the past and so we're carrying around a lot of emotional baggage that you may not even know exists so mm. stepping back and being respectful or at least understanding that that intimidation exists um and that we might be just putting on a, a, a strong face um is is a good thing for men to know sure i'll, I'll just echo that and say very broadly as somebody who uh, has spent the last several years helping people to work to heal from sexual assault. I don't think, generally speaking, that men in our culture realize just how incredibly, incredibly, incredibly common that experience is. Uh, but Mandisa, did you have anything you wanted to add? Uh, yeah. Yes. I think it's important for more men to understand that, and, and I'm going to go a bit of the 
the opposite of Laura that, you know, some of us are, you know, many of us are approachable, but at the same time, uh, you don't just get to approach us simply with your point of view and uh, that they should be open to listening. And then when we tell them what, when we tell you what we need, then it's not just the, oh, well, you just get up and do it because I told you to, but, but take us seriously, you know, when we tell you something. And and learn how mm. to learn how to kind of read your room. Learn how to learn how to you know to kind of you know uh, interpret and and think about what someone I may be thinking or you know take some cues here. You know if someone doesn't want to be bothered, then you you need to back away. And mm. if someone tells you something that or if it, they don't necessarily agree or they're not interested, that isn't that isn't your opportunity to try to push more. And I will say that I've, I've encountered a lot of respectful people. Most of the conventions that I attend tend to be pretty fun. You know, there are some great people there. Uh, there are some, there are a lot, quite a few incidents of harassment. And, you know, I definitely think, and, and I am one that, Christy, you were talking about online spaces and how, you know, we manage that. I, I know I manage that. And, and most of our men in BN will tell you that I manage our online spaces very, very efficiently. Um, and if someone is is being problematic, then hey, uh, they are they are removed because sometimes you have to do that. Um, but I will say that for the in person interaction, there are a lot of people who I found to be very very respectful, very friendly, um, but sometimes very awkward, and sometimes don't know when to stop the conversation and and know when you should at least give a you know give a person space. And I think mm-hmm. there are more men who shouldn't always have to tell you what that is. Sometimes you, you know, just try to understand and ask, ask questions. You know, um, is this okay? You know, is this, uh, you know, if you have, you know, definitely ask more questions about what, you know, what we may be feeling in that moment uh, in, in order to, you know, uh, improve, uh, you know, our engagement. Yeah. Well, I, I really appreciate you, uh, kind of wrapping up this conversation on that positive note and, and just knowing that we are, that we're doing a lot of things right within this community, even if there is definitely, uh, things to be working on. Uh, now I know that we are getting a little bit late. Uh, I'm so grateful that we were able to have this conversation, uh, but we do have, uh, at least one call on the line that I think we can sneak in under the wire. Uh, Arden, you want to bring that up for us? Uh, yeah. Uh, okay, let's bring in uh, Sabrina in Canada. Pronouns are she, her. Sabrina, what's going on? Oh, uh, it's nice to be called that name. It really is. Um, obviously, you can tell from my voice that I'm still quite masked, but uh, I just very recently came out as trans and uh, mentioned something in the chat and people were like, oh, call in. I'm like, okay. Um it hasn't even been a month since I sort of accepted this about myself. And I, well, I'm definitely figuring a lot of things out. Uh, I'm still kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, not sure how to approach this going forward. <laughs> Wasn't sure if, uh, uh, if if anybody would have any advice or, or uh, whatever the case may be. <laughs> yeah. Wow. This is awesome. I, so, God, that's such a big question. <laughs> Where to? Sorry. Like, 
No, no, don't don't apologize. I, I think if there's any solace I can give you maybe is that for one, there's like no right or wrong way to do it. Like right now you're on the path to finding out what makes what's going to make you the happiest and the most comfortable in your skin. And however that path ends up for you is okay. You know, like, well, sure, definitely we, we do have like some data on certain things that we know help trans people, uh, or at least on average help trans people, like certain gender affirming procedures or hormones or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's your life to live and, and your journey to decide how it should go. Um, so there's definitely no like right or wrong way to do it. You know, like if you choose not to do something that you think is really common, that's super a-okay. <laughs> so if there's any like, it sounds like you're kind of walking on eggshells a little and I just want to like, maybe give you the comfort to know that you can like fully step on the, on the on those eggshells and that that's cool like i think <laughs> i think maybe part of transition is almost firmly stepping all over the eggshells and then getting like two or three years down the line looking back and going like oh shit i really stepped all over those eggshells didn't i back there and then just kind of being like oh well i'm just gonna keep going live your life yeah makes sense uh, well while i'm at work sometimes so i'm not a, i'm not out at work I, for the most part i'm only out to my friends and i'll be coming out to my sister in a week when i go to see her at her place but um uh i i'm just like especially tonight when i was at work it's the reason i missed the first half of the show um i just like i was at the end of my shift i'm just like i want to come out to them i want to tell them but i was also really scared to do so um I, again since i've only just started this i'm still obviously very mask appearing and uh i'm not i don't know i just i want to i want to move forward but i also don't want to i don't know cause problems in the process yeah uh, it's, a, it's a brutally slow process i definitely remember getting like handed my hrt for the first time and being like taking those pills and then just kind of like sitting there being like okay do i feel anything do i feel anything yet is anything <laughs> happening like it, it is yeah. painful how slow it can be sometimes but i'm so happy you're here and that you found this community and i hope that you feel welcome and safe here and know that we see you and we're glad to have you well thank you so much and uh, mentioning the the getting the handed the pills i'm quite envious because i get to i am handing them out to all my all my trans patients and like i want some too oh boy because i uh, i work i work as a pharmacy technician um Mm -hmm. and so just have a lot of trans i was even speaking with one tonight just before i came in uh just to let her know her stuff was ready and she was like Oh, I was wondering if you had anything uh, fun, interesting for me. I'm like, no, but hopefully I'll have something. <laughs> I wasn't sure if she got the got the comment or not, but um, <laughs> I feel like I could obviously share it more with my patients than my colleagues. Ah, uh, boy. Sorry, obviously I'm a bit nervous at this point, but uh, no, no, yeah. I really I appreciate like you connecting with us, you know, and and just sharing this experience with us. I, I loved everything that Arden had to say, and I, I certainly don't have any firsthand advice for you, but I guess I just want to encourage you that you know you know who you are certainly better than anybody else does. You you're the singular mm-hmm. expert of the seven and a half billion people on the planet. Like you're the one who knows you, but also there's no test, and you're not. Ex- expected to get it right. You're, you don't need to mm-hmm. feel like you 100% know yourself. You you never will. And so I'm so excited that you feel comfortable starting to share this part of yourself with other people and to open up and to start to explore. And I just want to remind you that you 100% have permission to uh, to shift and to stay curious and to say, oh, I, I think I might be a binary trans woman. Or you might decide a month later that, oh, 
well, maybe I'm maybe I'm not a binary trans woman. Maybe I'm somewhere more towards the middle of the spectrum or to, you know, change the way that you identify entirely. It's not to say that you're changing. I mean, obviously, there is some fluidity there, but it's complicated mm-hmm. to get your head wrapped around all of this. And so while we're going to trust you to do the best possible job that anybody on the planet could do, I just want to make sure you know that you have permission to stay curious, to maybe stick your neck out a little bit, and and to maybe even be wrong from time to time should that come up. I don't want you to ever feel like you can't, quote, take it back or that you are not allowed to, uh, to perhaps like shift in the way you say those things. So if you do introduce yourself in one particular way, you don't need to feel locked into it and you don't necessarily need to hesitate before doing so and i and i just want to take a a moment to say uh when you get off the phone please make sure that you go back to check out the chat from this episode because it is just a stream of people yeah i'm glad (laughs) to hear it because uh this community is incredibly proud of what you're doing and incredibly eager to support you so so thank you so much for just sharing all of this thank you so much and uh uh to viewers as well as you guys as well if uh ever you want to chat with me i'm always hanging out in the uh, the ACD. Uh, I'm actually a, a facilitator over there as well. But uh, yeah, just um, I'm always hanging out there. We have a mutual friend in Stephanie Helms as well. So uh, <laughs> anyway, awesome. love- mm-hmm. oh, I love Great. Stephanie so much. She's she's been such help- so helpful. Well, I just want to jump in really quick because I know that you called wanting advice, and I know that that's something that as a <laughs> as a cis white woman, I'm in a position of privilege, and I haven't had any experience with a lot of what you're going through. So unfortunately, like Christy, I can't give advice, but I want to share just how excited I am for you because I can hear your excitement in your voice. I can hear the nervousness and the anxiety, Uh but I can hear this edge of excitement and I'm very empathetic. And so that makes me just so excited for you. Like my heart is beating and racing on your behalf right now. And when I get on and do these shows, I don't have that heart rate problem. Like I'm calm as a kitten, right? So I just want to let you know Mm -hmm. that like there are people out there that just want to get behind you, even if we're not sharing the same experience or we don't know what advice to give or what to say or what to do. Um, we want to be there for you. And so I just wanted to kind of share my love and support to you right now. Oh, thank you so much, Laura and, and everyone. Also, I want to highlight that uh, you say you, you're speaking from a position of privilege and, and there is a privilege there, but there's also a privilege that I have had that you don't have in the, in the sense that I've I've grown up uh, assumed male for a long time, and so there's a lot of experiences that uh, you and Mandisa and other cis women have that I don't have, and so you uh, don't minimize the contribution that uh, that you would have to offer to offer me. Definitely, like there's so much I can learn from my cis sisters as well, uh, and it's definitely important uh, there. I love that. Awesome. I really appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sabrina. I really appreciate this call and I I hope to hear from you again in the future. Thank you so much. I will definitely be calling in uh, again and uh, probably call you on your other shows as well, Arden. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Have a good night, Sabrina. Good night, everyone. Bye. Good night. Lovely way to uh, to cap off the show. Yeah. yeah well, beautiful. I guess I guess that just about does it, huh? So why don't we dive into our little outro? I would love to give uh, Mandisa and Laura a chance to plug what they're doing. Uh, Mandisa, you want to go first? Oh, I think you might be muted. And I was. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So can y'all hear me now? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you once again for having me on the show. Uh, I'm happy to be here. 
um, this evening. Uh, for those of you who are interested in the work of Black Nonbelievers, please visit our website at blacknonbelievers.org. You can follow us. We do have a YouTube channel at Black Nonbelievers. We are on Instagram, uh, Be Nonbelievers Inc. We are on Twitter at Be Nonbelievers, and the B and the N are capitalized. And we're also on Facebook. And you can subscribe to my Patreon at patreon.com uh, slash Mandy Salatifa. Um, so thank you once again. Um, please do visit our website and support our work. Awesome. How about you, Laura? Uh, thank you. Yeah, um, I do a lot of my work um, with ACA on nonprofits. So I'm actually, I've got three different um, spots that I'm on the schedule for between January and February. So super, super busy with the nonprofits. Um, and I also, you'll see me in chat as unapologetically me. Um, so I do have that page, but I've been putting a lot of my energy and effort into the Skeptic Hangout podcast where we just kind of, we pick a topic and we just sort of discuss it from our perspectives as um, skeptic atheists and and sort of what, what can we know about it? What do we know about it and where the mysteries are? And so, yeah, I've been putting a lot of my energy toward that. Awesome. Well, I love to hear it. I love to hear you both doing awesome things. And I hope everyone in the audience goes through and follows through all those links and checks them out. Do it. Don't don't skip out on it. Do it. Uh, but with that said, uh, we're going to push the usual stuff. So uh, if you've liked what you've seen here and you want to catch any of the other productions we do here at the ACA, we have a one-stop shop. You can go to tiny.cc slash AEN podcast where you get all of the atheist community of Austin stuff that we do in one place. Uh, we'll also plug our Facebook Secular Sexuality fan group. Uh, so you can head there to jump in and all the fun little discussions that are happening throughout the week when you don't our lovely faces on the screen. Uh, we've also got tiny.cc slash ACD uh, ACD discord. That's the atheist community discord where, well, we're not doing one this week. After most of our shows, we'll stop in and do a little Q&A after the fact and you can get in discussions there yourself as well. We've also got uh, tiny.cc slash merch ACA where you can get any of your ACA branded apparel if you want to fill yourself, if you want to brag about how uh, sexy Particularly sexual you are to all mm -hmm. your peers. That's how you yes. can do that. And then, of course, most importantly, we would like to have our crew cam up. Uh, the crew who hold together a four up out of nowhere on At the a absolute last the possible minute made this show happen. Thank you all so much. And and that that's all I got, Christy. You want to ship us out? Yeah, I, I'm just, uh, my heart is very full tonight. You know, there was a, a moment when I like sat down for pre-production and they were like, well, the show's on fire. Everything is on fire. And uh, there are storms in Australia and somehow now everything is ruined. I was like, okay, great. And while I sat here kind of chewing on my nails, a incredible community pulled together. Uh, Laura and Mandisa came at the last minute. There were so many people making phone calls and putting things together behind the scenes. And then we get together and we have this conversation. And I, I, I see the incredible chat just responding to so many of the things that we're talking about and being so encouraging of one another, encouraging of uh, women in this community and encouraging of the queer folks and the trans folks that this show is largely centered around. And I am just so incredibly thankful to, to each and every one of you for being a part of this. And uh, you know what? I think you've all earned it. I think this is absolutely a moment where you should take a, a quiet time for yourself and give yourself a, a big old orgasm. Or better yet, give somebody else one.
Watch the Atheist Experience live Sundays at 4.30 p.m. Central. Visit tiny.cc slash ytaxp and call into the show at 512-991-9242 or connect to the show online at tiny.cc slash callaxp.